What's up, Haynes Creek family? I hope you guys are doing well and everybody staying nice and warm and safe. Uh, if you're watching this video, it means that we have decided to cancel service, which uh, I know I'm, I'm super bummed about that we had to do that, but you know, we're just trying to, to keep everybody safe. And uh, man, especially here in Georgia, things can change uh, at the drop of a hat. It could be, uh, you know, by the time you're watching this, sunny and 55 outside, or it could have snowed eight inches. We have no idea. So I uh, hope you understand that whatever decision that we've made here, we're just trying to, to protect everyone and, and uh, keep everybody safe and be considerate of all those who, who might have decided to come or not come on uh, a day like today. So again, uh, sorry that we had to cancel service. I know I'm bummed about it, but uh, I'm glad that you're watching this video. And I just got a, a few thoughts to share. I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Uh, I know famous last words from a preacher, but I promise uh, it won't be too long. But first, before I dig into what I have for you today, I just want to share a few uh, quick announcements, really important stuff, really exciting stuff happening uh, right now in the life of our church. First is we're just two weeks away from our launch Sunday, and I hope, I hope you guys are excited. I know that I am about that. So on Sunday, January 30th, we're going to celebrate the launch of this new church, and we're going to start a brand new series, Verse by Verse through the book of Acts. So I'm praying and I'm hoping that each of you can be here with us on that Sunday. And I want to encourage you, use this as an opportunity to to invite, invite people that are not connected to a church, invite people that don't know about Jesus. Jesus and the gospel are going to be lifted high on that day. So it's a perfect time to invite people into this process and invite people along. Uh, the second announcement I have is prayer night. This Wednesday, we got two more prayer nights, and I'd really love for y'all to be here uh, again this week. We're going to be lifting up the work that the Lord's doing through our church and, and praying for our community, praying for those uh, that don't know Jesus in our community, and praying for opportunities for us to minister to them, to love them, and to share the gospel and the hope of Jesus with them. So again, that's 6.30 this Wednesday. I hope you can join us for that. And then our Bible studies are getting ready to launch in February. Uh, so that is going to be, uh, we have a women's Bible study, a men's Bible study, and a teen girls Bible study. And those are going to start in February. And they're going to meet on alternating weeks to kind of help ease the manage, uh, ease and manage the load for everybody with families. Uh, so the, the women and the teen girls are going to get started out on that first Wednesday night in February, and the guys are going to start on the next one, and then they'll meet alternating Wednesdays from there. Uh, and the women and teen girls are going through a study called Seamless by Angie Smith. Uh, and the men, we're going to be going verse by verse through the Old Testament book of Daniel. And uh, just to let you guys know, some deadlines coming up just to make sure that we have enough materials for everybody. Uh, the women and teen girls deadline to sign up is next Sunday. Uh, January 23rd. And then for the men, the last chance to sign up is going to be Sunday, January 30th. And you can sign up real easy. Just go to our website, hanescreek.com slash Bible studies, and you can sign up or you can send me an email. Let me know that you're interested and I'll get you signed up. Uh, but again, just, just keep in mind that those deadlines are coming up. Uh, well, like I said, I just got a few thoughts that I want to share with you guys uh, today. This morning, uh, just some thoughts from the Word of God. Uh, I've been reading in my personal time through the book of Revelation, um, and I know that you know some people. It, it's a weird book. It's an odd book. Uh, they've made movies about it. Like there's a lot of stuff happening in Revelation. But I just want to tell you, like this is one of the most uh, applicable books for our time and culture in the season that we're in right now. 
uh, it is incredibly beneficial for believers and for the church today. So I've been digging into this in my personal time, and, and it's just been awesome. So uh, I want to share uh, just a, a few verses out of that and out of what the Lord's been doing in my life and in my heart as I've been studying and reading this. So uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 2. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and flip over to that Revelation, the last book of your Bible, chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 for us. And, and just real quick, just like I like to do uh, all the time, just give you a little bit of background about what's happening and what's going on. Uh, so Revelation, it was written by the Apostle John, uh, and it's a it's a letter sent out to the seven uh, churches, the seven bigger churches in the area of Asia Minor. Uh, and what's going on during this time at the end of the first century is there is a ton of persecution happening uh, to Christians during this time. So John writes this letter to these churches who are suffering and going through immense persecution uh, in an effort to encourage them and to lift their spirits and to show them that Jesus is not absent. He's not distant. He's right here with you, and he is working all things towards his end where he will one day come back and set an end to all evil and suffering and pain. There'll be no more persecution. There'll be no more martyrs. There'll be no more suffering because we'll be with Jesus. That's what the book of Revelation is all about. And then when we come to our section today, this is Revelation chapter 2. Uh, this is Paul's, or I'm sorry, not Paul, John. This is John's letter to the church at Ephesus. Uh, yeah, the same Ephesus that Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians. The same Ephesus uh, where Timothy was a pastor. And what most likely happened is, is John later in his life uh, came and either was leading or, or was heavily involved in the church at Ephesus. But now at this point, uh, John's been exiled to the island of Patmos. Uh, he's there. He'll be left there until the day that he dies uh, because he was a believer, because he was going around sharing the gospel. But Ephesus is one of those extremely important cities, not just in your Bible, but, but really in the world at large at this time. It was one of the key cities for the Roman Empire, especially in the Asia Minor province. It was a huge city. It was one of the larger cities, uh, and they were known for their idol worship. Uh, they, they had a huge temple built to the Greek god Artemis. Uh, they had a ton of Caesar worship. So whoever was Caesar at that time for the Roman Empire pretty much required the entire empire to worship them as a god. Uh, and Ephesus was like all about that. They loved that. They celebrated that. They built altars and sanctuaries and all these things to the Roman emperors. And part of the deal was if you didn't do that, then you were really outcast as a society. You were you could have been arrested. Uh, you could have been put to death. Uh, and a lot of times it was just that people just wouldn't deal with you. So uh, in hopes of dealing with any sort of economy or commerce or trading or anything like that, if you were a Christian, if you didn't bow down to Caesar, uh, then you were just kind of outcasted as a society. And it was just really, really tough to be a Christian, especially in this area, especially in Ephesus. So that's the background as to what's going on. There's a lot of suffering, a lot of difficulty for these believers in this church. So let's read what John has to say to this church. Really, these are the words of Jesus that he's writing. So it starts out in uh, Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently, 
and bearing up for my namesake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, so let me just walk through what's going on and kind of point out some things, give you some things to think about, I'll give you some practical stuff to consider, uh, and then we'll, we'll be done. I promise, that, like I said, I won't take up too much of your time. Uh, but verse 1, it starts out referring to Jesus as the one who holds the seven stars and walks among the golden lampstands. And we know if you, if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, uh, we know that that's in a reference to the churches, uh, that that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the golden lampstands. That, that's the churches. And what we're meant to take from this is, is he holds them in his right hand and he walks among them. That, that again, Jesus is not some distant God. He's not far off. He's not unaware of what's going on. He is he's walking among us. He's deeply involved, deeply connected to our church and all of his churches. And he holds us in his hand. You know, at the end of the day, we, we are his church. We belong to him. And, and he's got us. And he's got this. This is his work. This is his church. He holds it in his hand. And, and we can have confidence and faith in that. And then he, he tells this church, he encourages them, look, look at all these really awesome things that you're doing. He, he's like, I know your works, I know your toil. That, that word for toil is, is, is really hard work. I mean, this is hard work that they're doing, uh, that they're enduring patiently, uh, that they're continuing on, that they're, even in the midst of persecution, that they are not walking away from Jesus, that they're staying strong with him. And he says that you can't bear with those who are evil, that they, they, they're, they're moral, right? Like they're, they're righteous, they're, they're upright, and they're standing before God and before others. Like they've got good morals. Uh, they're righteous people. Uh, he also says that, that you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. And you, you hate the work of the Nicolaitans. Uh, so he's saying that, that they've got really good doctrine. They can spot a false teacher from a mile away. They've tested. They, they know who, what's true and what's false. They, they, they have really good doctrine. They know their stuff, right? They, they know their Bibles. They know all about Jesus. They know their stuff. And he says, even above that, I, I know that you're enduring patiently. You're bearing up for my namesake, and you haven't grown weary. You haven't grown weary. You've, you've continued. You've persevered in this. You, you, you haven't given up. In the face of immense cultural pressure and persecution and struggles, you have not given up. I mean, man, that, that sounds like an awesome church. I mean, I, I hope one day that the Lord could write these things about the church at Haines Creek, that we have good doctrine, that we're righteous before God and others, that, that we continue even in the midst of suffering and persecution, that we continue on with Jesus, that we haven't given up, that we're, that we're still here. Now, I pray that that can be said of us. But then Jesus says this. He, he has this one thing against them. He says this, but, but in verse 4, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You've abandoned the love that you had at first. Now, there's a lot of debate about what that means. So I'll give you the top three options that I've seen, and, and you've probably heard me talk about this a lot, but this is, this is what we see in Scripture, right? So one of the 
the three things, the three common beliefs that this is talking about when he says that you've lost your love, what, what John, what Jesus are referring to is that you've lost either the love of God, you've lost the love for one another, uh, or you've lost the love for mission. You've lost the love of going out into the world and making disciples. Uh, so there's a lot of debate, like I said, scholars kind of debate between those three. It's got to be one of these three. I would say it might be all three, you know, depending on the person who's reading this. It might be different ones for different people. And I think that's kind of why uh, Jesus leaves this vague is because any one of those three could apply to us at, at any one point in time, right? Like this church is doing a lot of good. They've done a lot of good things, but Jesus says you've lost your love. You've lost your love. And we know from 1 Corinthians 13 that, that love is one of the greatest attributes that God calls us to. It's one of his greatest attributes and, and one of the things that he calls us as his followers to walk in and, and to show to others. Uh, so let me just kind of walk through these. Uh, what, what would it look like to, to not have our love for God or our love for others or to have abandoned the love Permission. So let's just kind of talk through this because, like I said, I think, uh, you know, given the day and time and the week, this any one of these could apply to any of us. I know for me, it could apply to me as well. Uh, and sometimes it's all three, you know, sometimes we're just in that mood and it's just, it's all three, right? Uh, but let's talk about this. What would it look like if we've lost the love of God? What he's saying here would be that that all of this activity, all of these things that you've done in the name of Jesus, uh, what you've essentially done is you've done a lot of good for Jesus, but you haven't drawn close to Jesus. You've done a lot of things for his name. You've done a lot of good stuff for Jesus, but it hasn't led to this heart, this love, this, this affection and adoration and worship of Jesus. All of this work that they've done, it hasn't actually deepened their love of God. And again, this, this can happen to all of us. One of, my, one of my favorite authors is this guy, Pete Scazzaro. Uh, he's a pastor up in uh, the New York area, and he wrote this awesome book, uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'll show it right here. Uh, phenomenal book. If you haven't read this, I, I encourage anybody and everybody to read this. And he has this statement in his growth as a believer. He realized that there were times where he was using God to run from God. He was using God to run from God. He was doing all of this activity for God, but he wasn't actually close to God. He wasn't actually growing in his Christ-likeness. He wasn't actually deepening his love for God, much like what we see with the church of Ephesus. And he has these uh, kind of thoughts to, to ask ourselves or to contemplate, to see, are we using God to run from God? So he says uh, these little things. I think they're really helpful. So when we're uh, using God to run from God, these are some things that tend to happen. When... Some of these are some of the statements that he says. He says, when I do God's work to satisfy me and not him. I'm using God to run from God when I do things in his name he never asked me to do. When my prayers are really about God doing my will and not my surrendering to his. When I demonstrate Christian behaviors so significant that people think well of me. When I focus on certain theological points that are more about my own fears and unresolved issues than concern for God's truth. When I use his truth to judge and devalue others. When I exaggerate my accomplishments for God to subtly compete with, other, with others. When I pronounce, the Lord told me I should do this, when the truth is, I think the Lord told me to do this. When I use scripture to justify the sim sinful parts of my family culture, and nation instead of evaluating them under his lordship. 
when I hide behind God talk, deflecting any spotlight on my inner cracks and becoming defensive about my failures. Man, that, that, that can hit home. <laughs> when I apply biblical truth selectively when it suits my purposes, but avoid situations that would, requ would require me to make significant life changes. Oh man, the, some of these can just hit so close to home. I mean, like I said, we, we can all struggle with this at any point. And we, we see this in scripture. One of the best examples um, of, of this kind of, you know, I'm doing things for God, but I'm not actually close to God uh, is with Mary and Martha. We see this in Luke chapter 10. Let me flip over there real quick. Uh, Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus going over to Martha and Mary's house. And it says this, Luke 10, 38 says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me out. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which cannot be taken away from her. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Martha was, was doing stuff, right? Like she was trying to serve Jesus, trying to open up her home and welcome in him and serve him and his disciples, like doing really good things for Jesus, serving Jesus. She'd been the first ones to sign up for any volunteer team. Like Martha would have been the first one to jump at that opportunity. And then there's Mary just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's like, Jesus, tell her, tell her to get up and help me. I, I need help. Look, look at all that I'm doing. Look at all these things that I'm doing. Tell her to help me out. She's like, no, 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 She chose the better thing. She chose the better thing. Sitting at my feet, being with me in my presence, she chose the better thing. I mean, that, that can be so convicting for us, right? Like, is our activity for God actually leading us to love God more? Or is it leading us away from God? Is it leading us away from him? Are we using him to run from him? Have we, have we lost our love for Jesus amidst doing all of these good things in his name? Have we actually lost our love for him? Instead, we should be like Mary. We should sit at the feet of Jesus and just be in his presence and, and be with him and be in awe of him and, and desire him more than anything else. Have we lost our love for him? The second thing that it could be is, is it could be that we've lost love for one another. I mean, you think about the, again, the situation that they're in. I mean, they're constantly fighting false teachers and people saying that they're an apostle, they're a Christian. They're like, no, you're not. Like, they're constantly fighting against that. I mean, it would make sense that they've become suspicious of anybody else. It's like, yep, I'm a Christian. Yep, I, I, I can do this. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just, they could just be at the point where they're so suspicious of everybody else that they've lost their love for one another. Now, it's quick to lose your love if that's your mindset, if that's your attitude, if that's what's going on, right? And this is what we talked about last week in our relationships, that we have to fight for our love for one another. Uh, we have to fight to, to continue on in relationships sometimes, right? Like we got to bear with one another. We got to forgive one another. We've got to give grace and give benefit of the doubt towards other people. We can't, we can't let our suspicions uh, just rule over us and distract us or lead us away from our love for one another. I mean, Jesus tells us in John chapter 13 that the, that the world will know, everybody will know that you're my disciple based on your love for one another, based on how you love and care for each other. That's how the world's going to know that you're my disciple. I mean, that's a big deal. 
love for one another is is huge and we we have to fight for that we have to fight for that we can't abandon that we can't walk away from that no matter how difficult things get and the third option is what it could be is is a love for mission they've they've lost their love for mission and again i mean just thinking about it i mean that that seems to make sense i mean just think about again what what they are they're constantly facing outside pressure outside persecution outside idol worship a culture bent on on leading them astray from jesus and, and they're fighting so hard against that they're they're fighting so hard to to not bear with those that are evil to not be like the rest of the world to not give in to this idol worship that's pervasive in the city of ephesus and it seems like if this is the case, if they've, if they've lost their love for mission, it could be that they've, what they've done is in an effort to protect themselves and keep them from leading themselves astray, leading their church astray. They've just kind of walled themselves off from the rest of the world. Now, they've just kind of insulated themselves from the rest of the culture. What they've, what they've done is they've put themselves in a Christian bubble. They don't associate with non-Christians. They don't talk with non-Christians. They don't build relationships with non-Christians. They're not ministering and caring for and, and spending time with non-Christians. I mean, does that sound familiar? I mean, it, is that sometimes how we live our lives? I mean, it, it, could it be that, that we've lost our love for mission? That in an effort to, to continue on and to stay faithful to Jesus, that, that what we've done is we've tried to remove ourselves from the world. And Jesus says, no, I don't, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to be like the world, but you're in the world. And the reason you're in the world is, is to be a lampstand, right? What's a lampstand do? It gives off light. And that's exactly what churches are supposed to be. Churches and believers are supposed to be a lamp for Jesus, to, to shine his light brightly to this dark world, to the dark sin around us. We are to shine Jesus' light brightly. And to do that, we, we can't hide our lamp. We can't hide our light. We can't wall ourselves off and insulate ourselves from the rest of the world. No, no, we, we've got to go into the world. We've got to go into the world with the light of Jesus and the gospel, the salvation message of Jesus, the hope that only Jesus can give. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed to do. This is what Jesus has called us and believers to do, to be his witness, to be his light, to be his lampstand. We can't, we can't let being in a sinful culture keep us from our mission, keep us from, from going into all the world and telling people about Jesus and making disciples. Let that not be. Let us not abandon our love for mission. And look, again, it's so easy that's so easy to just surround ourselves in this Christian bubble. But that's not what Jesus has called us to do. That's not why he has us here. It's to make a difference in this world, in this county, in this area for him, for his name, bringing his message to the world around us. This is what we're called to do. So what's 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 our response? Like what, what are we what are we supposed to do? You know, maybe maybe I'm talking and you're hearing this, you're like, man, I, I have lost my love for God. Or I have lost my love for one another, or or I have lost my love for mission. If that's if that's you, if that's if that's you today, I just want to encourage you, let's follow the words of Jesus here. If that's us, if we if this falls on, on any one of us, let's do what Jesus says. He says this in verse five Remember therefore where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So what are we supposed to do first? We're supposed to remember. Remember 
who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I mean, especially if you've lost your love for God, that's the best way is just to sit and remember and reflect on who Jesus is. I mean, same same for our love for others and, and, and our love for mission. I mean, remember, Jesus has saved us. He's made us alive in him. We were dead and now we're alive. And if we forget that, if we lose our zeal and our passion for mission, let us remember what Jesus has done for us and that he's called us to go and just share that message to the world around us. So we remember who he is and what he's done. And then we repent. We repent, which means we, we turn away from our sinful ways, right? We, we're no longer going back towards our sin. No, we're going to turn and follow Jesus. We're, we're going to go and follow Jesus. That's what it means to repent. I'm not going back that way. I'm following Jesus. I'm going with him. We, we repent. We turn away from our sin and back to Jesus. And then we do. We do the works that we did at first. We, we walk in obedience to Jesus and his ways and his commands. So this is you. This is, this is me. If, if any of us are struggling with losing our love for God or others or mission, let's remember, let's repent, and let's walk in obedience. And look, I mean, there's stark words here for those that don't. Like, if we don't do this, this is what Jesus says here. If not, if you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from your place unless you repent. What he means when he says, I'm going to remove your lampstand, what he's saying is I'm going to remove your church. I'm going to remove your church in. And that might literally mean that Jesus is going to shut the doors of the church. He's going to shut this thing down. Or it might mean that, that he's just going to remove his presence from the church and you're going to keep meeting and keep being a church, keep being a people, but without the presence and the blessing and the provision of God. And that's, and either one of those is a scary place to be. Uh, I don't want us to do that. So I think this is a stark warning for us as a church as we set out on this new work, we can do a lot of good in the name of Jesus. We can have all the right doctrine and, and stay righteous before God and others. But if we lose our love, if we lose our love and we, we've lost it all, those things don't matter anymore. If we've lost our love for God, for others, or our love for mission, then all those other things that we're doing don't matter. They don't matter. So again, let's let's repent. If this is us, if this is any one of us here, let, let's repent and let's come back to Jesus. If we've lost our love for him or others or our passion for mission, let's come back and let's follow Jesus. And look, here's the good news. Again, that Jesus, uh, repentance is always an option. Coming back to him is always an option. Jesus says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So let's Let's repent. Let's come back to him. Let's follow him. He will lead us. He will lead us to conquer. He will protect us. He will provide for us. He will lead us. He is faithful. We can trust him. And he will ultimately lead us to paradise and to eat of the tree of life. And we, we will spend eternity with God forever. Let's fix our eyes on that. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus and let's, let's follow him. Thanks for taking the time to to watch this and to listen to this, and, and I hope this is uh, a good word for us. And like I said, I've been digging into this in my personal time, and it's just been an incredible blessing as I study these and just hear God's concern, Jesus' concern for his church, for us, for the church at Haynes Creek. I mean, uh, he loves us. He's got a plan for us. Let's walk in obedience and in faithfulness to that. Let me pray for us, church, and, and again, I hope to see you Wednesday, and I, and I hope to see you 
next Sunday as we end our, our last sermon uh, in our current series, The Church, The Gospel Made Visible. I hope you can make it. Uh, again, just a reminder about Bible studies as well. If you're interested in that, go ahead and get signed up. If you have questions, email me. Let me know. I'd love to help you out in any way that I can. Let me pray for us, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be done. Jesus, I thank you for your goodness, for your, for your grace, for your mercy, Lord, and I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have these things in Scripture that, that just show us time and time again who you are. God, that you're, you're a God who's sovereign over all. Lord, and that includes your churches, that you have us in your hand, that you walk among us, Lord, that you are right here with us, that you see all that we're doing, Jesus. I pray that we are a church that, that does good works for you, Lord, that, that perseveres, that doesn't grow weary, that fights against sin, that fights against false teachers, Lord. I pray that we're a church like that. And Lord, I, I pray that we're a church that doesn't abandon our love, that we don't abandon our love for you, that we don't abandon our love for others, and we don't abandon our love for mission. Lord, I pray that you would use the church at Haynes Creek for years and decades as a beacon of light in this area, Lord, that, that goes and makes disciples of all nations, that is spread out throughout the world, planting churches, sending missionaries, doing all of these wonderful things, Lord, but that ultimately that we are a church that has a heart for you, that we love you, Jesus, that we are overcome with you, that our hearts are in full uh, desire of you, Lord, that we are just in awe and adoration and worship of you, Jesus. Lord, let us be that kind of church. Let us be that kind of people, Jesus. We ask all of this in your powerful name. Amen. Again, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will see you on Sunday or hopefully Wednesday at the prayer night. See you later.